Hi, my name is Donna Gershman. I'm Catherine Miller. Katie. Better known as Katie. <laughs> and we're living it up. Living it up, baby. Yes, we are. And we're here to just share with you our ideas on how to live a high vibrational life. And so Katie has graciously submitted that she's going to help and we're going to interview each other and talk about different things that we're into. And hopefully you'll find it vaguely amusing. Well, I just found out we were interviewing each other. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> I felt the spontaneity might be helpful. That's true, I do. and I do like that. But I want to get into the work that you do. So soon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I am a intuitive healer and a spiritual counselor. And I've been doing that for about 25 years. Um, but I specialize with people who have chronic conditions and so-called terminal illness. And basically what I do is I help them to, uh, to discover the root cause of their illness, like what's really causing the illness. Mm. Um, so in Western medicine, as you know, they focus um, on treating the body only. Yeah. And if I had my way, um, anyone who was diagnosed with an illness, a serious illness, should be prescribed counseling, along with whatever physical treatment they're going to pursue. Um, because we know that the, the mind-body connection is real, and the emotional connection is real. We're whole. We're, we're not just a body. We have a, a mind and a heart, so we have feelings and we have thoughts, and our body responds to all of that. So it is my belief that as we discover the other elements that are playing into the illness, that if we can heal the cause, then the condition, the physical condition goes away. Yeah. So that's my work, and so I work with you know cancer patients and people with rare diseases and um, I've been doing it for a long time and I've had what um, many people would call miracles. Mm -hmm. um, I don't call them miracles, you know, because mm -hmm. I think that they're, they're the outcomes you would expect based on the inner work that the person is doing. Does that make sense? It does. Well, that's, and that's your belief too, right? So, but that's what you know from your work that you do. Yeah, I mean, I know that this is the truth, that we, we are more than just a body. Yeah. And that, um, you know, in my work over the years, I've had extraordinary results um, helping people identify what's really going on with, that, with them that has created the illness. And so, do you work with, I mean, do you work with people that don't have the same belief as you? Have you been, like, do you work with people that... You know, someone like me that wants to help a family member who maybe doesn't necessarily believe the same things that I do or doesn't even think about them in that way. If you have somebody that comes to you via a family member that wants, the family member wants them to work with you, but they're not really, they're they very skeptical. It. They don't get it. Well, okay. So the premise in which I work off of um, and this is what I tell my clients when they first come to me, is that your beliefs matter. 
You know, your beliefs matter. They matter in terms of what you experience in your daily life. They matter in, you know, the experiences that you're having. And they definitely matter when it comes to having an illness or disease. Yeah. So, um, so I explain that, that your beliefs can either work for you or work against you. And most people get that. And, you know, just a little bit of a weird background on me. I grew up Jewish um, and didn't believe in Jesus or anything like that. Okay. I mean, Jesus was like a character to me, you know, like a, you know, like, yeah, like a, a mythical. Yeah. Like in Judaism, we use, you know, characters basically to teach, um, you know, important lessons. Okay. I don't really know and, a lot about Judaism. Yeah, me neither, to be okay. quite honest. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, and and this isn't about Judaism. It's just that for me, um, you know, it, it didn't really uplift me and it didn't really teach me about the nature of God for me. Okay. Okay. And it's a beautiful religion. It really helps people to live their um, to be the best person that they can be, there's a lot of positive things about it. And mysticism, right? Is there is mystical? a mystical, there, there's a Kabbalah, but we didn't, when I was growing up, we didn't, you know, that wasn't taught to us or anything. Okay. So, but anyway, getting back to Jesus, we didn't, you know, I didn't even believe in Jesus. I didn't know Jesus was real at all. Okay. And the word Jesus was a little bit taboo in Judaism. So you couldn't oh. really talk about Jesus. You know, we didn't talk about Jesus. So, I didn't believe in Jesus at all. And then one day when I was in my 30s, which was, you know, a week and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right. We'll go with that. Does that make you a Pisces? Yes. Um, and I had an experience meeting Jesus. And, I mean, I was the most unlikely human being to ever come into contact with Jesus. But what happened was I... I was waiting for a friend. I was in my friend's house waiting for her. We were going to go to lunch. And all of a sudden, I got filled with this. Oh, you know what? She had one of these little bookmarks on her coffee table. It was one that you like flip, and it was Jesus, and you flip, and it was Mother Mary. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the little lines so, on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I was flipping this thing. Jesus, Mother Mary. Oh, Jesus, on, the same Mary. Si on the same side. Yeah. I know you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It was like one of those optical illusion kind of thing. Yeah. And Jesus, Mother Mary, Jesus, Mother Mary. And all of a sudden, I got filled with this love that was beyond, beyond. Yeah. And there was no room for anything else. Like, literally no room for anything. I just got filled. And it was like, I don't know how to explain this, but the love was like, it had like a name tag. Like, like I when knew your heart peels open, you literally feel it. It was otherworldly. Otherworldly. And it had a name tag, like I knew exactly whose love it was, and it was Jesus. Wow. And there he was, I could see him. I could see the Mother Mary standing behind him. And he said to me, I know you don't believe in me, and that's okay, but I just wanted you to know that I loved you. At this point, do you have a hard, like a heavy spiritual life going on, or? I did, okay. yeah. I was already in training to be a, a spiritual practitioner, healer. Okay. Um, but 
But this was like a whole different experience on a completely different level for me. Yeah. And because I hadn't believed in Jesus, like what, what I took from it was, oh my God, like this guy's real, number one. <laughs> right. Like he's real. He's not a comic strip, okay? And and he didn't ask me for anything. He just, yeah. he didn't ask me to change. He didn't ask me to believe in him. He didn't tell me to be Love a different that. kind of person. He just wanted me to know he loved me. I mean, it was pure, unconditional love, like the way you would hope we could be. He was. And um, so I left that experience, and that love, like, was with me. That name tag, you know, that Jesus' love was with me and consumed me for a while. Um, You're so, like, oh, like all the t-shirts. The, you know, there was a thing, like, Jesus is my bro. People started wearing, like, it became a thing, I felt like. There was like a wave through. I'm sure like, it's always oh, get been it there, now. but I always I was completely unconscious to it. Yeah, and you know I don't call myself a Jew for Jesus or anything like that. I just <laughs> what happened was I just went on an exploration. Like after that, I was like, oh my god, you know this guy is real. Holy cow! And he showed up to me. I have no idea why. Yeah. Um, well, you're open. Yeah, I was definitely open, and so then after that, I thought. Um, I'm going to research a little bit more about this Jesus guy, okay? Like, yeah. I wanted to know, because I knew he was real now, I wanted to know what he said while he was here, what he was about. You know, I was, like, ignorant about all that stuff. And yeah. So, um, and at the time, I was going to a spiritual center in Los Angeles called Agape, okay. and, which means unconditional love. And... Um, <laughs> You know, I, I went to a friend of mine there uh, who ran the bookstore, and I said, I know you know a lot about Jesus. Can you, you know, can, can you, you me point up? me yeah, in a direction of, like, you know, give me some books or something that aren't, like, religious-y, because I'm not into that. I just want, like, what did the guy say? You know, I want to yeah. know what the guy said. So what I found out, what I discovered, was that he said a couple of things that were, like, kind of big. <laughs> yeah. They were big, you know, like yeah. one was, um, ye are gods. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? What's yeah. he saying? Isn't that blaspheme or something? Ye are gods. Like, we are all gods. I'm getting kisses on the fingertips. I know. Uh, this is Maddie, our puppy, um, who's very afraid of people. Um, he's just a, oh, oh, hi. He wants to be in on handsome. It. You want to say hi to the camera? And he's very special. He looks like a human, doesn't he? He, he has really human does. I look at him, but he, it'll make him bark. But yeah. I just got kisses. That's why yeah, I haven't done that. It's very exciting. It's, it's very exciting. It's a healing. So, um, <laughs> so ye are gods. Ye are gods was one. And you're like, wait, we? Yeah, me? me? And everyone? Okay, and then. That's big. Um, what was the other one? Greater things than me shall you do. Meaning greater things than what he did. Like, and supposedly he, he, you know, raised the dead and healed right. the blind. And I'm thinking, greater than that. Or, <laughs> I need to order. Yeah, it's a tall order. So, you know, there was that. And then the biggest one of all was, it is done unto you as you believe. Mm. That blew my mind. Yeah. Because when I read that, I knew it was true. I just had an intuitive, like, yeah, that's exactly what I've always felt I may be the stories we tell ourselves yeah like I knew believe. our beliefs mattered and I knew like positive beliefs had gotten me 
you know, some really incredible experiences over time. And I also knew my negative beliefs were also playing out. Yeah. So it was a moment, a reckoning of like taking responsibility for my own beliefs. But I just kept thinking like, why aren't more people taking this seriously? I felt like, you know, he was a way shower. Yeah. He was saying to us, I can show you how, you know, uh, to, to do these miracles that I'm doing. I'm not special. I just know what I'm doing. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And so I know, I know that he demonstrated those miracles because now, and I'm not trying to put myself in league with Jesus, okay? Right. What I am saying is God is everywhere. That's what Jesus said. God is in all things and all people and all beings plants everything god is everywhere there's only one and we're made of that one and therefore because we're made of that one we have everything within us already that jesus did right right or other that's what he was saying that was his message that was what he was saying like take me seriously i'm just here to show you the way don't put me on a pedestal okay don't make me different than you you know don't pretend i have something more than what you have and yet, I think for thousands of years, that's what people have done. They put yeah. him up on a pedestal and play down their own power. And so many people on the planet are not utilizing the power that was given to them before time, right. that's available to them, that they can use for to create the life that they want to create, but also to heal their bodies of anything. Mm. Don't you think sometimes that because visually, I mean, just as a little kid growing up and, you know, my family didn't go to church, but I chose to go to church with the McDonough's a couple doors down. That's a different story. But, you know, you walk into a church and, you know, Jesus is up there and yeah. everyone's talking about Jesus and what he did. And so we, but I never, and I, you know, told my mom. I gotta go. I gotta go to CCD. I gotta make my communion. She was like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, apparently I do." So I went, but going, making my communion, going to church with the McDonough's on Sunday, I didn't get that. What you're just talking right. about. It was there was more. Well, but it was Catholicism, so there was more sin involved. Right. And we had to make up for a lot of sin. Right. But let's say I didn't even go to church. Just the way it's presented, you're a little person and you just see visually this exaltation. And people are always talking about how great he is. There, that message of equality, you have it, I have it. He's just saying we all got it. Right. That never. But what's interesting is, like what I heard you say, what came through just now when you were talking was, you were told things, right? Yeah. Okay. And, but were you told what Jesus said? No, I was told. Do you know what I mean? You know, do you want to go to hell? I was right. Like, Definitely not. Okay, well, yeah. then you got to do this. Right. But the how you were describing it in that moment of, I have this too, it, it makes sense. He's just saying, you got it too. Right. And, and you know, we hear a what lot of things like, God is love. We hear that all the time, right? But I'm going to be honest. When I was going to synagogue as a kid, they would say, I am the Lord thy God. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And you'd be like, woo! And you're like, you? No, you know what the I mean? Someone yelling it? Scary. Or, it was a scary God. Yeah. Like, I am the Lord thy God. 
it was intimidating. God was an intimidating figure. And in Catholicism, you know, you're told that you're not good enough right from the moment you pop out. Oh, yeah. So it's very disempowering. But, you know, as a kid, I really had a relationship with God that I cannot explain. Like, I didn't learn it going to synagogue. I, I yeah. just had it. Yeah. You know, okay. I had a relationship with God, and I would hear God talking to me. You know, things like that. And God was... Like as a young... Like as a little girl? Yeah. As a little girl. Yeah, I would hear things. You know, God would explain some things to me. Well, and did you... Were you close with friends? Were, did you, were you alienated? Did you have brothers and sisters? I had two older brothers. Um, but, you know, none of us were into God. I mean, we went to synagogue, but we weren't like religious Jews. We were Reformed Jews. So we went on the high holidays and things like that. But okay. we did go to Hebrew school, and we were confirmed. Okay. Um, but, you know, in all of that, you know, I learned about the Holocaust and all of that. And that was very important stuff to learn as a child. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really learn about God, the nature of God. And it wasn't until, I mean, I really learned that on my own, with Isn't my own relationship. Though? All the going to synagogue, the classes that you have to take to make your confirmation, everything mm -hmm. that's told to you and how that gets missed. Yeah. I mean, they read the Bible and things like that. But, you know, it was about slaying oxen and things like that. And I just was not... You know, some of it seems so unrelatable, and yeah. um, I just wasn't fed there. And I'm not saying yeah. anything, please, I hope you don't hear anything bad about Judaism, because I think it's a beautiful religion. Yeah. Um, you know, I will always be Jewish, I'm just not a practicing Jew, you know. Mm -hmm. But, and I'm not Catholic, and I'm not Christian. I am, you know, <laughs> an equal what opportunity. You? <laughs> you know, I believe... Uh, well, when I started going to Agape, Agape's premise was it was the common denominator between all Eastern and Western religions, which is mm. there's one power in the universe, it's everywhere, and it must be where we are. And that's what I absolutely that's believe. Beautiful. That's what I absolutely believe. And that God is not separate from us. God is everywhere and contained within us. And that because it's contained within us, everything is possible. We can create anything. You know, we're, we're living in a universe of infinite possibilities. And every day, we have infinite potential. But our beliefs, if they don't match what I just said, yeah. they're going to limit us. You know, people have their beliefs. I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not, you know, whatever. All of the different I'm not enoughs. Yeah. And that plays out. So Jesus said, it is done unto you as you believe. So if you hold those beliefs and you fuel them, you know, with your attention mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, fear and, you know, emotional, emotionally fueling them, then you will experience them. You know, a high percentage of time you're going to experience um, your beliefs. But it works both ways. If you have, mm -hmm. if you can see yourself as God sees you, you know, how many of us can say, we see ourselves as God sees us? So God, God does not see us as broken. God does not see us as flawed. God sees us as God. Sees us as a, a, 
a representation of God, a vehicle, mm -hmm. a vessel. God created us out of itself, out of perfection, out of wholeness. Yeah. So we are that. Yeah. But the problem is our thoughts, our beliefs, which we have free will, so we can believe whatever we want to believe. Yeah. Our thoughts don't rise to the thoughts of God. We're not knowing the truth about us. We There's have our, so many things in the way. I feel yeah. Like. Even just TV as a little kid, staring at the TV, mouth open, input, other yeah. people's pain, input. Oh, yeah. So a lot of the things, yeah. How do you... How do you get to the base of that with people? That's a that's a big question. But do you, when you're going to meet with somebody for the first time, and you know they've got you you've worked with people with cancer. Yeah, I've worked with a, a lot of disease states over the years. Um, you know, the one thing I want people to know is there are common denominators. Okay. That play into disease states, like. Such as, you know, I could go through. I mean, Spirit put me in a, an interesting situation many years ago. I started going to Pilates hey. <laughs> at this great place called Beyond Physical Therapy. Hi, Diane Cabray. Um, and uh, it was in Maria Del Rey for many years. And um, I had a back, I, my back was bothering me. I'd had a car accident, my back was injured. And so she said, you know what, I'm going to put you in this Pilates class, the only class I think I can put you in because I want, I want to go real slow with you and all that. She said, I'm going to put you in a class with all my fibromyalgia clients. And I was like, okay. I had no idea what fibromyalgia was at the time. This was yeah. many years ago. And so I started going to the class with all these fibromyalgia people. Well, I started to notice, like, I mean, that was an opportunity to be in a room with six or seven other people, but all with the same illness, disease yeah. state, right? And I could see certain common denominators in their personalities. As we were all talking, oh. they were saying things, and I'm like, oh my God, they're all type A's. Oh, They're what? all like overgivers, overdoers. They all have a hard time saying no, oh my. having boundaries, healthy boundaries. Um, they're all, all really highly competent. Like, if you want to get something done, you give it to somebody with fibromyalgia. Oh. You know, that kind of thing. And I just started to notice all that. And it was like an aha moment. And then right after that, you know, the universe kept sending me fibromyalgia clients. I, honest to God, out of the woodwork. They were just coming to me. Wow. One right after the other. Wow. Uh, totally unrelated to this class I was in. And so then I started working with them. And I'm like, Okay, so it just became so much easier to, for me to help them because I could identify what the beliefs were that were causing them physical pain. Yeah. So as a rule of thumb, whenever there's pain, physical pain involved, there's mental, emotional pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That physical pain cannot exist unless there's mental, emotional pain. So when you can uncover what the mental belief is, what the belief is, that's causing them emotional pain, and you work with that belief, and you help them shift it, then suddenly the physical pain starts to go away. The mental, the mental emotional pain goes away, but then the physical pain dissipates and leaves. So the body knows what to do. It knows how to correct itself. It has its 
and you know its own divine intelligence and knows how to correct itself and be in perfect alignment yeah you know the god made us perfect god made our bodies perfect we have god dna okay? <laughs> yeah in every cell atom and molecule of our body we have god's dna so we are whole perfect complete that's our divine nature so if we're not experiencing that there's something that's happening in our consciousness and you know the matrix of our belief system that's that's causing an out of alignment you know what yeah. I call it, like just not being in the truth around a particular thing so for instance you're talking about somebody with fibromyalgia you mentioned being type a not being able to say no tells me that they're not they're they don't have boundaries right. and so is that taking on that physical pain could it be like is that a way of you know saying no without having to say no mm. of getting out of it you know that's a really good point so thank you for asking that question because and this might sound a little harsh to people and I don't mean it to be harsh it's not meant to be blaming but we are creating our own experience yeah and so pain or disease is always an opportunity always it's a knock at our door it's a bark at our door it's a bark at our door somebody's at the door the other dog um it's an opportunity for us to wake up to the truth of our being in other words something's out of alignment the universe yeah. is knocking at us saying something's out of alignment you're not living you know in fulfillment you're not living in joy you're not living you know, in a high state of bliss or fulfillment. Yeah. And we don't want you to live that way. There's another way. Yeah, you're you're settling. And so the illness is actually an opportunity. Yeah. So if people could, it's hard when you get a diagnosis. It's scary as hell, especially cancer, things like that. Yeah. It it's carries terrifying. so much negative energy and all this. And so it's hard, you, you know, the first thing you go to is, oh my God, like I'm gonna die or maybe I'm gonna die or whatever, or I'm gonna go through hell. But the truth of the matter is, it's it's knocking at your door as a way of getting you. To... <laughs> it's barking at your door. You okay. came to me, and I'm, I'm not looking in the eye. <laughs> well, that's exactly what illness does. It attacks you, right? It attacks your mental yeah. frame of mind and all this. But true, truly, if we could just embrace it and say, okay. This is happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know why. I don't know what it's for, but it's here to help me grow and learn and become the best version of myself. So, to answer your question, yes, illness can get us out of a lot of things. Yeah. You know, it does serve purpose. Okay. And sometimes we create it as a way of getting out of things or not having to rise to our highest potential. Because when you're sick, nobody expects anything of you. Right. You know, let's be real. But Jesus said, ye are gods. Right. You know, we have divine potentiality contained within us. And that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to remember. That's what we're here to wake up to. Our oneness with God, our perfection in God, our power, our wholeness in God. And in God, in that state of consciousness, all things are possible. Yeah. Can you imagine a world where everyone woke up to that divine potentiality within them and actually stood in it and knew it and embraced it and embodied it and lived from that space. We wouldn't have wars. We wouldn't have people killing each other. Yeah. You know? And 
Yeah, to that question, like, could you imagine that world? I have tried to imagine that world from time to time, but I, honestly, I haven't done that in a long time. Well, it starts right here. Yeah. It starts with um, calling it forth in your own experience, in your own consciousness. Like daily, though. Every day. It's a spiritual practice. It's a spiritual practice. I mean, the most evolved people I know on the planet have a strong spiritual practice. They yeah. meditate, they pray, they walk in nature, they affirm whatever they their tools are that they use that work for them that you know i listen to music i dance i go you dance Same. whatever gets me into a high state of consciousness yeah. that living it up consciousness right that high vibration yeah yeah and when you start you know when you consciously work on sort of raising your own vibration your own conscious awareness of god's truth about you and about the world it's not just about you, it's about everybody else. The people that irritate you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the others. You know? <laughs> what do you mean? Our our role is to know God in all things and to see the God in all things and in all people. Yeah. So, you know, as a spiritual practitioner, I was trained to how do I say, like, not identify with the, the condition, the appearance, mm -hmm. but to see through it to God's truth. So because when you can, when we talked about miracles earlier, there is a miracle-mindedness that's required to create miracles in your life or in the life of other people that you love or whatever. There's a miracle-mindedness. You have to touch a certain place in your own consciousness in order to create you know, something that you're wanting to create. Yeah. Create a miracle. So I've had... Um, a number of what people call spontaneous healings happen with me working with individuals. Um, I've had uh, a woman who was told she had two weeks to live um, to get her affairs together. She had stage four cancer, cancer throughout her body. Did she <clears> find <throat> you? She did, but it was quite, I guess it's not an accident, but you know, I happened to be at Agape that day. I was a brand new spanking practitioner. This was 99, I guess. Um, and uh, I happened to be one of the practitioners there who was praying with people after the service. And I saw her waiting to pray with somebody. And I, you know, my person left and she sat down and uh, she told me, you know, that she lived in, um, I believe, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And that she took a plane there to Agape that morning um, because she wanted prayer from an Agape practitioner. So she actually, not well, got on a plane and came to Los Angeles to get prayer just from a, an Agape practitioner because she was very familiar with Agape and believed in, you know, what we stood for, etc. Yeah. And so um, I asked her, you know, what she wanted prayer for, and she basically told me that, you know, um, she had two weeks to live, or they had told her she had about two weeks to live to, to get her affairs together. Um, and that she had come here just to get prayer. It's heavy. It is. And, um, and then I said to her, well, can you think of a way, this is a hard question, because I, you know, sometimes I have a hard time not, you know, just like, Oh my God, she's going to punch me in the head, you know? <laughs> Yikes! But you got to be you. I got to say what's coming through me. You have to trust. Me. I do. I have to trust because I am just a vessel. Yeah. Okay? I am a good listener to God. And God basically comes through me and tells me what it is I'm supposed to do. 
So I can't take the blame or the praise. <laughs> I just literally have to allow God to do its thing. I'm just obedient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said to her, well, um, can you think of a way that, you know, something good has come out of this cancer for you? Like, can you think of a way? I was like, I was a new practitioner, yeah, right? So like, oh. But I knew I had to say it. I go, can you think of a way it served you? It has been serving you. And I could see the look on her face like, <laughs> like, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But then, like, then she sort of dropped down. I could see her sort of, like, go within, thought about it for a minute. And she goes, well, I'm on disability. And I looked at her and I said, oh, so you don't have a health problem. You have a prosperity problem. Oh, dear. That's what I said to her. And I didn't address the cancer at all again. And then I said, well, let's pray. And I did a prayer. I never mentioned health. Yeah. I never mentioned well-being. I never mentioned any of that. I did a prosperity prayer. Because that's and what was clear to you. I It just came through me. And it was all about, you know, um, God being her source of all things within her. God, you know, that kind of thing it was a prosperity prayer. Yeah, And when I said, and so it is on men, I knew she was, she had no more cancer. I knew it. It was gone. I could feel it. Yeah. Gone. You know, I mean, I had no evidence, but Did I knew. Did you say anything to her? Or I know. Like... I just said, have a great day, you know, and sent her on her way. I literally did. Well, a couple weeks later, I was at Agape again, because I used to go on Sundays and pray with people after. Do your thing. Pray with people after the service. And... I'm praying with somebody. I see this woman standing there like waiting for me. And I honestly didn't recognize her because mm. when I'm in that place, I'm sort of not holding on to things. Yeah, I have questions you know about I mean? that. Yeah. So I'm sure you do. <laughs> so um, so she, she comes by and she sits down and she says, do you remember me? And I was like, uh, she goes, well, I was here a couple weeks ago. I'm from New Mexico, whatever. And then when she said New Mexico, I was like, oh, right. And she said, um, I was the one who had cancer all throughout my body. I go, right. And she goes, I don't have it anymore. She goes, I, the doctors don't know what happened. She, they, they think it's a miracle. They keep asking me what happened. And she said, and I know what happened. She goes, it was that prayer with you. And she said, and I got on a plane today just hoping you were going to be here again. Because she said she didn't even know my name. Mm. And um, she showed up a couple weeks later to tell me she was clean and clear. And I assume this was many years ago. I'm assuming she's still on the planet. But that was my um, one of my first demonstrations of like a spontaneous healing. But I've had several. Yeah. I just want to remark on diagnosis, get your affairs in order. The full surrender, I'm going to get on a plane and, and I'm called to this place. Yeah. So she's in full surrender. She has nothing to lose, right. everything to lose. And you're in your state. You've made a choice to be this practitioner. And having someone, you know, sometimes you just, you want someone to tell you what to do or help. That redirect... I, I, don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. That's I guess I'm trying to figure it out, but you can't figure it out. It's just really powerful. And But that was the thing. Like, for her, she had created an illness 
because she was so afraid of being homeless. She was so afraid she was going to end up on the street. She was more worried about money. So then she created an illness in her body, which then got her disability. And at least she had a roof over her head. So she had sort of traded off. But she didn't need to trade off because God is your prosperity. God is your body. You can have it all. You can thrive. You're here to thrive. Mm -hmm. We are here to thrive. We're here to bring that consciousness of heaven to earth. So a lot of people think they're going to have heaven once they leave their bodies. They're like in a big hurry to get out of here so that they can have an experience of heaven because they believe heaven is this magical place. But it's a state of consciousness, yeah. and you can live it right here. Right. And I believe that that is why we're here, that we are here to wake up to the truth of who we really are, to live in that state of consciousness, and to thrive. Yeah. Because when we thrive, when I lift myself up, then I lift all others up around me. Yeah. You know? So if I don't do the work, then none of my clients benefit. None of their family members benefit. So we're here to bring that consciousness of heaven to earth. That's what we're really here for, to wake up to our true nature and to know that we can experience that heaven idea right here. We don't have to leave our bodies for that. Right. You know? Yeah. We're not here to be ill. And I, you know, I, I, I started writing a book many years ago about this, about how to heal your body from any illness and condition. And, you know, I believe that there will come a time in human development where there will be no more illness or disease because it will no longer serve a purpose. That people will have evolved enough to know that they don't have to have illness. That that's, it doesn't just fall from the sky. Yeah. Okay? It's not just bad luck. It's not just, it's not bad genes. Okay? Mm. I want to say that too. Okay. Yeah. My mother had this. My grandmother had this. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have it. You do not have to have the same experience as your mother or grandmother or six generations back. It is all about consciousness. Now, we do take on the beliefs of our parents, of our grandparents, our ancestors, but you can undo the ones that aren't working for you. Right. I believe that. And you can create a different and better experience. So you don't have to fear your, your, your father's heart disease or, you know, your mother's cancer. You don't have to fear any of that. That does not have to be you. So no, it's not created from your DNA or bad luck. It's not dropping from the sky and you just happen to be or a punishment of some sort. No, we're co-creators of our experience. We have free will. Yeah, we, we can create... And we create through our consciousness, through our beliefs. It is done unto us as we believe. So we, we have to be accountable to what we're believing. So then we have to know what we're thinking. Yeah. And it's definitely a practice. And it's, you know, you have to be really honest with yourself. Even if you're not honest with anybody else, be honest with yourself. And be about, vigilant. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean... For God's sakes, be honest with be yourself. Be honest with yourself. Like, are you negative? Come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Are you having negative thoughts? Are you 
afraid of something happening? Are you carrying a fear for years and years and years? Are you having conversations and telling the same story? Are you on repeat? Yes. You see? Yeah. And all of that can be undone. You do not have to live in that um, cycle of fear and what we call separation from God, a sense of separation from God. Like God is out here and I'm living all by myself doing my own thing, right? Yeah. It's not that. God is you. You are that. You have everything contained within you that God has. And God needs you in the game, not on the <laughs> sidelines, watching, going, not me, right? Don't put me in the game. Yeah. Jesus was saying, get in the game, yeah, okay? Yeah. Get up to the plate, you know? If you're down a run in the ninth inning with two outs, be the one that raises your hand and says, put me in. Because I know who I am and whose I am, and I'm going to hit it out of the park. <laughs> Believe. Know who you are. Yeah. Right? Because that thinking will get you what you want. What if we had this in school? Right? Or to circle back to what you said in the beginning, you know, with diagnosis of anything, you also get counseling. Why? It is. Right? Doesn't it seem really obvious? Yeah. Right. But it's not. Like, you know, and I if it's not a part of your life, though, people don't know to search it out. Or, you know, I think that experience, like, it takes one experience to cross a path with one person that inspires you. Even if it's to see, like, well, why are they so happy? I'm not happy. What, what are they doing? Yeah. It just takes I one. I want what she has. What, yeah. yeah. And that's what happened to me, honestly. You know, um, when I first went to Agape, uh, back in 1992, and I didn't want to go, by the way. I'd been oh, hearing you about didn't? it. Oh my God. I had been hearing about it. I got here to Los Angeles in 86, right after college, and, you know, I was a loner. And I was a spiritual loner all my life. Okay. Um, and, Same. you know, I had a relationship with God, but I didn't really talk about it. It was just, you know. Totally. And I never found, you know, a religion that suited me. I tried, I went, you know, I did a lot of tried different things, I went to churches, I went, you know, I did every yeah. kind of thing. I loved the Baptists. I did love the Baptists, but, um, because they had you such a, Lamont. they had a joy for life and, you know, singing, the yeah. music. And I felt like that was more who I was, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, but I wasn't into religion, you know. But I thought, so when I got here, I kept meeting people, and they would say, you know what, there's a place that I just think you really like. So it wasn't the secret, the videotape that got you? No, that came later. Oh. So uh, what happened was, and I kept saying, well, and then I'd finish their sentence. I'd say, oh, agape? And they'd go, oh, you've been there? And I'd go, no, I haven't been there. Yeah. It's, why? And I'd say, because it's a church. I'm not into church. It's a church, right? I mean, you know, and they're like, no, Donna, you'll love it. It's it's you. And I, I resisted it for a long time. And I do believe sometimes we resist things because it's, we don't consciously, there's, we know it's going to change us for the better. We're not quite ready. Like we're holding on to yeah. being the same. Okay. And I think that was kind of playing into it. But five years of saying no to so many people who were just out of the blue telling me, somebody at a grocery store said, do you go to Agape? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, Los Angeles is giant, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so then one day uh, in Easter 1992, I got a call from a friend of mine who lived up in Monterey, and she said, Gershman, we're coming down to Los Angeles. We're going to Agape for Easter service. And she goes, and you're coming with us. And I'm like, um, no, I'm not. <laughs> 
Gershman, you're coming with us. And I hadn't seen her in a really long time. And so I wanted to see her. And she's basically saying, you're not going to see me unless you go to Agape. So I'm like, oh, okay. That's so she awesome. Comes, yeah, right. Yeah, in relation it. to the nth degree. And she was a person who kept saying, you have Well, to keeps work. coming. It's like knocking you over the head. And you're like, no, no, no. I can no, no. to hear it, right? So someone came so stubborn. dragged you. Right. So she comes and picks me up, throws me in the car. And I remember saying to her, if I see one Easter bonnet at this place, I am so out of there. I mean, do not. So, so we literally parked the car. We walk in the, across the driveway, and they have tables set up. And there was this woman there with this canary yellow Easter bonnet that was like 10 feet. I mean, when you say bonnet like a hat? Like a huge Easter hat, hat right? In this bright canary outfit. Her name was Leveda Campbell. I'll never forget. <laughs> Leveda, God bless her. Rest in peace. Oh, my God. What a blessing to the world. But anyway, she's like, good morning. Welcome to Agape. I'm like, get me the hell out of here right now. I looked at my friend. I'm like, I'm out of here, right? I mean, yeah. she, like, took me by the arm. Anyway, Leveda was like, let me give you a, hat, you know, whatever, a welcome packet or something. And I'm just like, no. I mean, I really was freaking out. I didn't want to go to a church, you know. I just didn't. I didn't want to be indoctrinated. Right. I didn't want to. I just didn't. I was I had all kinds of visions. I have a meal on a board. They're going to have a big Jesus thing with him on the cross. You know, I just had visions of what it was going to be. Yeah. So I walk in. And I know other people, agape people, if you're listening, you're going to be laughing at home because you know what I'm talking about. It was like in a warehouse, first of all. Okay. And wasn't very big. Maybe a thousand people could get in there. But it was like <laughs> a smorgasbord of every kind of human being alive on the planet. I mean, and yeah, and you're in Los Angeles. I'm in LA. So really. Yeah. Now, I grew up Jewish in Connecticut where everybody looked the same. So when you went to synagogue, yeah. everybody looked the same, right? Yeah. So all a bunch of white. <laughs> yeah. Old people. And so... Anyway, we went, I mean, and I couldn't believe the diversity in this space. Mm. And it just was like, oh. like, I was like, this is what it should look like. Mm. Like, everyone coming together, that made sense to that's me. Cool. You know, and I come from a place that's very diverse, so that was much more comfortable to me, you know, being in a room with all kinds of different people. But then what happened? See, we've got these ideas, and then the reality was like, oh, well, yeah, this it was, is different. It was shocking. So, and I was trying not to tell my friend that I kind of was digging it. Like, yeah. I was still being like a real, you know. And Stick so, your, on your stick. And then we get, like, these incredible seats right in front, even though <laughs> we were kind of late. But we got there anyway. We got these seats. It was like, why didn't we get these seats? The place is packed. Wow. So... Then what happened was, and I kind of have to back up just a little bit, six months earlier, I had gone to a club in Santa Monica called At My Place. And for anybody who's been in Los Angeles a long time, they'll recognize that name. And a friend of mine was playing there. And that night when I was sitting there, a guy came out, they introduced him, and they said, we have a special guest, blah, blah, blah. His name is Mr. Carl Anderson. And out came this guy. And that name rang a bell. I was like, Carl Anderson. Okay. So he comes out and he sings. So help me God, Katie. I was like, I, I was such a man. I thought to myself, <laughs> this is the thought I had. If God could sing, 
this is what God would sound like. Wow. And I, it that experience that night, six months earlier, stayed with me so much. Like I couldn't get over this guy's voice. And um, yeah, he, and he was on the radio. He, he sang a song with a gal named Gloria Loring, friends and lovers, like many years ago. It was before your time, Katie. <laughs> so that's how old I am. <laughs> so, but so he, but that really stayed with me. But anyway, there we are, six months later. I'm sitting in Agape with my friend, and the service starts, and out no, walks. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. He did. He walk, out walks Carly Anderson, okay? And he sings Such a the 23rd Psalm. I couldn't stop crying. Like from my feet up, you know, like this kind of ugly cry, wailing. Yeah, you like, I need, yeah, I need to pull it together. <laughs> yeah, like people are seeing me. Embarrassing. Like, oh my God. I don't even know why. I, like consciously, yeah. I didn't know why I was yeah, it's crying. Interesting when that happens, but I just, you know, felt like I was home. Yeah, like I was somewhere where I belonged, that I didn't even know I was looking for or needed. And you didn't even really choose. No, it's just like dread, past dragged. Yeah, it's not wild. But I, and then I, you know, that was the end of that. And I was with Agape for many, many years and became a. A licensed practitioner oh, wow. through them, and you know, and met that was so that. many people, and it really that that moment in time changed my whole trajectory. Because prior to that, believe it or not, I was a comedian, and oh, for like ten, for ten years. Oh my god! Yeah, and I found Agape like two months after I retired from comedy. Not even. I don't even think. Let's see, I retired like in January of 92. But the comedy's always with you. Yeah, I mean, you can't take the comedian out of the girl just like you can't take God out of the girl. <laughs> right? It's all the same thing. And so, um, yeah, so I my trajectory totally changed. And I didn't know I was going to be a healer. I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea. But then once it clicked in, you knew. After I met Jesus, you know, and I did that search and then You were um, like, I got I got it, I got this. I need to share this. It I just was really curious, like, is this stuff for real? Why didn't anybody like I really felt like people didn't take Jesus seriously. I felt like I needed to put it to the test. Yeah. And um I actually have this really mm. funny story. <laughs> I don't know if it's funny, it's funny to me, but <laughs> you know, um Shortly after the Jesus experience, <laughs> I don't know I, why I'm laughing. I know, but it is funny. I mean, a Jew, you know, like I just was the most unlikely person to have a Jesus visit. But anyway, I'm grateful for it. And now, just so you know, Jesus. I mean, I don't talk about Jesus that much actually in my daily life, and I don't do it with like my family or anything. Because my if my mother knew this, she'd be like, you know, I mean, totally, it would kill her, right? So. But the reality is that um, when I'm counseling my clients, literally Jesus is right here, like standing mm -hmm. or sitting right behind me on my right shoulder. And when I'm talking to my clients on the phone, I have the phone to my left ear and I'm listening. And I have Jesus in my right ear basically telling me what to say. Oh, wow. And so I'm just a vehicle. You know, I just channel. Um, and I have been for many, many years. And so... Yeah, 
God is good. <laughs> but this is not what the story I was going to tell you. But yeah. So after Jesus, I had the Jesus experience. Um, and Jesus said, you know, that we could heal and we could do all this stuff. I said, I got to try this. I got to at least try, That'd right? Be really cool. What if it was real? What if we could? Yeah. What if we could? Well, I had a friend of mine had given me a plant like several years earlier. And it was this plant that was kind of something not quite right with that. I can't explain. It would shoot up hanging. every year. It would shoot up and it would get so tall that it would, the stem would break. Okay. Half the, so halfway up, the stem would go bam and break and you would see a break in the stem. Okay. Yeah. Every year I watched this plant shoot up and break for years. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to heal this plant. I'm going to try to heal this plant. Yeah. And what I did was... The, I chose a day where I had something I really wanted to do later in the day, like something I really, really, really wanted to do. I picked that day so that I would have like real, like a timeline and an incentive, like something. And I said to myself, you're not going to this thing okay, unless you heal this plant. You raise was, the stakes. Yes. Okay. I, I wanted to go to this thing so bad that I was going to do whatever it took to heal this plant. Okay. Oh my God, I mean, if you could have seen. <laughs> so I'd be like, holding on to the plant. <laughs> I mean, heal! Heal! <laughs> I was trying everything. I was putting my hands on, I was doing all kinds of things. And then, like, what do I, how do I, what how do, do we, I even I, do this? How do I even do this, right? <laughs> I'm like, the hours go by, I've tried everything. The plant's like, okay, okay. I'm like, working Jesus you're full of okay no I I didn't say that but I'm like you know what you gotta help me here because I'm running out of time I am going to this party like I got it but I'm like you're not getting it you, I got I'm it trying I here. give me a hands up here right so help me out so I just got really still and really quiet and I knew the key was to know its perfection Mm -hmm. to know the plant's inherent perfection. I kept saying, God is this plant. God is not broken. God is perfect, so is this plant. God is perfect, so is this plant. And I kept like affirming and affirming it in my mind, and I kept saying it over and over again, and I just kept my hands on the plant until something in me just knew. Like I dropped into that knowing. Yeah. I wasn't trying to know it. I knew it. Mm -hmm. And I took my hands away from the plant, and the plant stood straight up and there was no mark, no mark on the stem that was gone. And the plant was straight up and... Oh, because it had fallen. I mean, every time it had broken. Oh, yeah. so it was just, and so you got it to... No mark on the stem at all. Like, it was perfect. And it was perfect after that. Oh, wow. And it never did that again. And um, I tried not to go into disbelief. Right. You know, because your immediate reaction is to go, oh, is this real? Totally, totally, totally. And I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. Plan is whole. Plan is whole. I kept just knowing the plant's inherent wholeness. And it worked. Wow. And I went to that party. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and that's all there is. But that was that was important. That was an important moment because I kept hearing greater things than me shall you do. So if I could heal the plant, maybe what else could I do? Yeah. And there was a lot of things. And thank goodness you do them. And I'm very grateful. I'm How long have you been doing it? 20 It'll be 25 years. 25 years. Because wow. I actually started heal doing healings 
and having sort of miracle demonstrations before I even was licensed as a practitioner. Yeah. So I had some incredible. Did people just start? How does that? How did they find you? It's so organic, right? Like, didn't what happened was I was I had a friend who was a nurse, and she knew she was in the practitioner program with me. She knew about the Jesus thing. She knew about the plant, and she said, "You know, Donna, um, I work at this hospital, and it was a long-term care facility um, for." children that were born prematurely mm-hmm. that had that were vent dependent they, so they were all mm-hmm. hooked up to ventilators they were like it was like a city of lost children like forgotten oh. children like most of these kids um, the parents had no nobody had visited them for years um, most of them were in or the ones that I dealt with were like for lack of a better word they were like in catatonic states mm. nonverbal Mm-hmm. And of all ages, really, and um, she coming was, from preemies, they were all they preemies. were all premature, born premature, needing to be on ventilator because their lungs weren't fully developed. Yeah. Um, and I think there were some other things too, but um, yeah, there were other situations, but a lot of them were that. And she said to me, you know, I'm not, you know, you're not supposed to be there because of HIPAA, but you know, maybe you could just, you know, come visit, come visit, me, have lunch, and, and yeah, and maybe whatever and sneak in or whatever <laughs> sneak in. so um yeah so you did yeah <laughs> um and i don't know how not to tell this story but one time i had wanted to go yeah. you know but i was scared to go sure i was i was scared to go i would have some, some resistance and so i was kind of procrastinating and she kept saying go on a saturday and not as many people there blah 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 Anyway, so what happened was I decided I'm going to go to this place today. It was a Saturday. I said, but first, I'm going to go get an oil change in my car. Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm just going to procrastinate. So I go, to this, I go to this place that was brand new to get an oil change. And to make a long story short, the guy brought me behind my car to show me something. And I fell into a 20-foot hole. What? A 20-foot... Oh, you didn't know this story. I fell into a 20-foot hole because it was a brand-new place. They hadn't finished it yet, but they were... So they had driven my car over this thing. Yeah. Right? But... He didn't... It wasn't fully done. No, he just... I had my sunglasses on. I think I couldn't really see, but anyway. Holy Falling down this hole. And I'm realizing falling like a really long way. So like the first thought I had was, oh my God, I'm falling. And then the next thought I had was, oh my God, I'm falling. And then the third thought I had was, oh my God, I'm falling. No. And like, oh, like this could be it. I I had the thought this could be it. And then I said, okay, God, is this going to be a big deal or not a big deal? And in a voice... As clear as day, I heard, you decide. You decide. And I said, okay, not a big deal, not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding, this actually happened. Wow. So I hit, and I hit my head on cement, and I believe I was unconscious for a minute. I don't know how long. But when I opened up my eyes... They had thrown down this giant ladder into the hole, 
and there was a guy literally leaning over me going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I opened up my eyes and I said, are you okay? <laughs> His face turned like white, like he was seeing a ghost, I don't know. And so, so um, he kind of yeah. gets up and then I get up, I wipe myself off, and I proceed to climb up this ladder to the top. And when I get to the top, there's all these people have gathered right and they're all like looking at me yeah. like I've got six heads and I'm not sure why well yeah. and I'm thinking why are they all staring at me so I so there was a guy there and I said do you have the ladies room <laughs> he, he, said, he just felt like up. this he just felt like this like that okay <laughs> so I go into the ladies room and um I use the bathroom and I look in the mirror and there's blood like oh, wow. everywhere, like blood running oh, in yeah, my face, blood, 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 right? Blood. And I'm like, oh, that's why they were staring at me. The funny thing is, I went out and I paid for my oil change. Some, How much is my oil change? And I gave, I gave them the check. No, I swear to you, this happened, okay? <laughs> and then I saw the owner. I said, I just want you to know, like, I'm not going to sue you. Do not worry about that. You're brand new, but you have to promise me that you're going to fix this. Yeah, that this can't can happen, happen to anybody else, and I'm going to come back and check. And that was that. But wow. anyway, I get in my car. Wow. I know. Full of blood. Did you clean yourself Full up? Blood. No. I didn't. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I'm sitting in my car, and I said, now what? What do I do? And I hear spirits say, go to the hospital with the kids. Wow. And I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> Spirit said, go to the hospital with the kids like you were planning. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I drive over there. Yeah. Turned out I had a concussion and everything. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. I drive over there. It wasn't that far from this place. I pull up and I start to walk in. Now, it's not a normal hospital. It's a long-term care facility. So they don't have an emergency room. They don't have anything like okay. that. I walk in and a couple people see me and they go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then they go and get a stretcher. Like a gurney or whatever yeah. you call that. I mean, you'll, yeah, you've got blood. I'm, they're like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, what, what are they? What's the problem? <laughs> I'm here to see the kids, right? But I'm not saying any of that. There you go. So next thing I know, I have five people, all women, around me. They have me on a gurney. And because this is not an uh, emergency hospital, they wheel me out in front of, um, like a nurse's station. Okay. Okay. In a hallway with like fluorescent lights. I remember just laying up and seeing these fluorescent lights. And they were all, one of them was taking my pulse. I don't know. All these things were happening. And they were asking me questions. And then there was this moment where they all dispersed. Like, they all went to get something or whatever. And I was alone for a minute. You know, like, yeah. And I'm on the gurney. And I hear a spirit say, now get up and walk down the hall to the first door on the right. No. Yeah. Hmm. So I get up. <laughs> and apparently I was walking at like a 90 degree angle. Like, I was like bent over like a table. And so, oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, I go, I walk into the, the last room and there was three beds, three little girls in beds. And one furthest in uh, uh, was a little girl. Uh, she was looking out a window and she was like this, like catatonic, no movement, nothing. And I just was drawn to walk over to her. She had red hair, mm. cute. She's five years old. Hmm. Her name's Heather. Her name was Heather. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I stood there and I said, 
something to the nature of. I'm so upset right now because I wanted to come here and I wanted to pray with you guys and you know I wanted to help you guys and support you guys and instead I fell down this thing and I hurt myself and I'm just really mad right now. And this little girl went from this to she turned her head, she looked at me, opened, you know, looked straight at me, yeah. took my hand and squeezed it. And then all of a sudden I hear, where is she? Where is she? And all the, the nurses, okay, came back to the gurney. I wasn't there and they were looking for me and I could hear them like yelling for me. And then one comes in and goes, what are you doing in here? And I said, I was just talking to this little girl. <laughs> So I tell the boys told me to. Yeah, what am I going to say? So they bring me back to the gurney. They're laying me there. And I happen to say, oh my God, the little girl was so sweet. And, um, you know, she held, she held my hand. She squeezed my hand. And, and one of the nurses said, what? And I said, I didn't know what she was referring to. And I said, she was really sweet. She, like, squeezed my hand. She goes, no, she didn't. And then I was like, what? Wow. And she said, no. No, she didn't. And then they thought there was something wrong with me. Like, sure. I had a brain injury. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll... Slight size point to... Who is this Yeah, who is this crazy person? She's wandering in. Okay. But then the nurse, the, the head nurse, the charge nurse that was behind the desk said, just, I'll be back in a minute. And she disappears. Okay. She doesn't come back for a little while. And then she comes back and she said, what did you say to her? And I said... I just told her I was upset. I was angry because I had fallen and hurt myself. And she said, oh my God. She said she had been in the facility for two and a half years, I think. She had been in a catatonic state the whole time. Um, she had been pushed down a flight of stairs by her mother. No. And was taken there and was unresponsive. And that had been the state since she had fallen down the stairs two and a half years earlier. But she was not in a catatonic state anymore. And she came out of that state in that moment. Um, and then I believe she got released to a family member like within a month oh my and God. went home. She'd be, I think, 30 now. What? Yeah. I don't know what happened to her or anything, but Whoa. that's what happened. And that was before I was licensed, but after the Jesus thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. And Jesus used to say, so then I, well, I started. That's, then you had the, the Jesus thing. You really got it. Something happened inside. There's, you know, there's, under, there's getting something, but understanding. I something. just believed him. Yeah. I just believed what he said. It's and hard to describe I, when, like, mystical shit happens. It's yeah. not shitty. I mean, at this point, I was kind of expecting stuff. Like, I, yeah. just, I wasn't intimidated by going and. I mean, I was scared originally, I have to admit, but then after that happened, then I was like, okay, Jesus is working through you. You got to just go, you yeah. know? And then I started going like every Saturday mm. and I, I started working with other kids and there was like several, what they called miracle demonstrations. Wow. Yeah. And all with these kids. Kids and animals are literally the easiest to help people. Uh, animals, I mean, that's pretty, as far as it's really gone. Because yeah. they don't have the doubting mechanisms. They don't have the deep-rooted negative beliefs and the jadedness that we adults walk around with. So actually, children are very open and receptive. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So there's you can you can speak, you know, in a high vibrational truth to them and it just goes in. Yeah. You know, so that's why I believe uh, that there were so many demonstrations there. Um, but then after that, I just knew, like, I wasn't planning on being a healer. <laughs> if you had ever told me I was going to be a healer, I'd be like, no. <laughs> I, told, uh, I yeah. don't think you know me very well. And, but here I am. And What was yeah. it like for your family members? You know, when you're like, well, I'm, I'm doing healing now. I didn't really tell them. Yeah. They're all back east. So East I was coasters. sort of living my own life out here, and I didn't talk about it. Yeah. I, I really know didn't know now, though, yeah. I didn't even tell my friends or people around me. Like, to me, it was kind of a sacred journey. It was just something yeah. I was doing. I don't think I wanted to talk about it at the time. But now, I mean, now I feel a certain responsibility to share these things because people need to know that all things are possible, that I, you know, the thing is, Western medicine, and I have nothing against it because it does serve its purpose, and God is in Western medicine, too, Absolutely. God is in doctors, too, and if you're Absolutely. called to go that route, um, then you gotta, you do what you believe in, okay, you follow what you believe in, but if you have a doctor that says to you, I'm sorry, there's no cure for what you have, um, there's nothing else we can do for you, then you owe it to yourself, to stay open to the infinite possibilities. There is nothing, nothing that is incurable. Nothing. I mean it. Even death. You know, Jesus raised the dead. And I actually had one of those experiences as well. <laughs> I did. I, I did raise the dead. I didn't. Jesus threw me or God threw me. Yeah. Um, did. I did have an experience of that happening, but um, all things are possible. That's that's really. I just want people to know they don't need to suffer. Yeah. That it's not God's will for any of us to be in pain or to suffer. We're here to thrive. We're here to wake up to our true divine nature and to thrive. And illness is just an invitation to do that. It's an invitation to wake up and take your power, your wholeness seriously, you know, to take what Jesus said about us seriously and practice, you know, practice knowing the truth about yourself and knowing that you have everything you need within you. Um, we're so focused on the outside, you know, fixing yeah. things and getting things and, you know, acquiring things or whatever. And we have everything here. If we develop this, yeah, then we can walk in the world really in a, in the miraculous state of mind. Trust your ability to yeah. respond, which is ultimately your responsibility. Yes. Responsibility meaning the ability to respond exactly. in alignment with God's truth. That's what responsibility means. Yeah. To be responsible to the truth that you are one with God. Own it. I think that's a great place to stop. All right. I do. You say so. Yeah. <laughs> Hope we see you again. Absolutely. Thanks for joining in. Uh, if you have any questions, oh, you know, I'm available mm -hmm. to talk to anytime. You know, I see clients by phone, by Zoom, by Skype, all that business. What's your website? Um, I have a, a website, youwillheal.blogspot.com. You will heal, spelled out dot blogspot b l o g s p o t dot com, 
And I've got a zillion uh, articles up there that I've written over the years uh, that I think you'll like and you'll get uh, you know, some good information from. But if you have an illness um, or a disease and it, you still have it and you've tried a lot of different things and nothing's worked or you're suffering, you're in pain, um, I can help you and you do not have to suffer. And if you'd like to reach me, you can call my office at 818-904-6840. Or you can email me, don't laugh, I still have AOL. (laughs) I'm laughing. (laughs) If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. You will heal at AOL.com. And I'm happy to answer questions by email or uh, call my office and I can set up a 15-minute consultation with you and Basically, what I'm after is what is causing the illness, you know, yeah. beyond the physical. What is causing the illness? Because you need to know that piece of information, Yeah. you know, and then, you know, from there, it's pretty simple to help you undo the illness. You know, some people are very, very fast. They can, you know, just with, within a few sessions and some people take longer. But either case, you know, if you're suffering from depression, anxiety, you know, you have cancer, you have a chronic illness, you're in chronic pain, you have diabetes, hypertension, whatever you have, don't live with it. <laughs> don't just live with it. That's settling. You know, live for more than that. You have a bright future. You know, I know that if you open up to these some of these ideas that we've been talking about, I know your life will get better. So that's it for now, right? Peace and blessings. Love and light.